0: There, Movie Geeks of the World. We are back for another exciting episode of Movie Geeks United. A little bit later, Adam will join us for Blu-rays. But first, we have a little bit of time to discuss whatever... Oh, my... You know what's going on? I'm drying my clothes, and there's, like, a loose coin in my dryer. Ah. And I, I stop my dryer, and I reach in and try to find the coin. I can't find it, but it's rattling around. It's annoying me, and... If you guys hear something in the background, that's what it is.
1: Okay, well, no,
2: okay. Thank you for that update. But so well, That guess,
3: is annoying.
2: That is annoying. That is very annoying. I guess we should go yeah. talk about Twin Peaks.
3: Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> well, I can tell you one thing. It didn't give us what we expected, that's for sure.
4: Not I mean, at all.
3: That is a bad show. I swear, I, I will not... I cannot tell what's going to happen from one moment to the next. It's, fan- <clears throat> it's fantastic. I love it. It's uh, you know I watched all four episodes like kind of back to back, like totally binge watched them uh, late at night, <clears throat> and uh, uh, and then I fell asleep and I woke up and I felt like I had dreamed all of that stuff. You know, like it really, <laughs> it really wormed its way into my psyche and uh there's probably been nothing uh, there's i mean you know you can say this uh, of course about the original twin peaks you know this is the most unusual stuff i've ever seen on tv period i mean mm-hmm. uh you know who I, I tell you what i was not expecting lynch to uh to go from the last episode of the second season, you know, in the Black Lodge, which was truly unfettered David Lynch territory, and then just ratcheted up another ten notches. Uh, Just, you know, by the time you get to that third episode, I mean, the first two are already, you know, dazzling. But when you get to that third episode, Whoa, man! If you if you are not a David Lynch fan, you, there's no way you're gonna make it through.
2: Well, no, there's not. Um, I I think once you get to three and four, though, I think what what I really love is that he is back in it, um, reprising his role. I can't tell you how delightful it is to watch him on screen. It's, um, it really is. It really it's is. Just, it's. I I watched finally. I watched episode four last night. I've been spa- I spaced out three and four, um, and I gotta tell you, if there's something so joyful watching him. I mean it's just well, hilarious. He's
3: he's a fantastic actor. He's got he's got such a unique presence. Uh yeah. well I mean he's just a unique personality in general but to see him it's always fun to see him uh saying any kind of role whether it's on this or on Louie or even in, you know, obscure movies like Veli and me and so forth, it's right. uh, it's always great to see him acting. uh, Well,
0: I watched it. uh, I I have not yet seen three and four because I wanted to save it for tonight. Um, But um, I watched one and two, and I was overwhelmed by the lynchian, the lynchiosity of it all. (laughs) Uh, And I was, I was very pleased that uh, I mean he's he's on full throttle here. Um, Oh yeah, and, and. and then I watched it. Then I watched it again. And honestly, when I rewatched one and two, I, I, I got a lot m- more out of it mm-hmm. because I was a, I, I was not so overwhelmed by the whole that I could really pay attention to details and narrative and kind of make some connections. But you know that scene where uh, Laura Palmer shows up was I mean that's a great moment when it mm-hmm. comes to her Yes, it is. her figure oh. Uh, there and it really is. I mean, this is what's amazing about it. It really is a, a two-hour movie, uh, and it's a, a, the first the first two hours of an eighteen-hour movie.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, can yeah. you imagine?
0: Could you imagine how much work that is?
3: That is, cra- 18 it is crazy. Eighteen hours. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. It's like getting it's like getting you know nine David Lynch movies in the summer. It's uh-huh. it's, it's it's nuts. Yeah, <laughs> it's it is just nuts. And I love I love knowing that he's directing all the episodes. I mean that that's that's kind of that's a relief too because you know if you if you feel like somebody else's hand is in it, I'm sorry. It's just, uh, you know... I mean, and of course, I think we can feel, you know, Mark Frost's hand in it, too. Like, I, I have a feeling Frost is there to sort of rein David Lynch in back to the story a little bit. Uh, a little bit.
2: Not by much, though, Dean. Not by much. I'd, I'd be, be still... curious.
3: I'd be curious to know the actual dynamics of their working relationship and everything. But, uh... But, uh... Just uh, I, I almost know, feel I, I almost feel like maybe
0: maybe Frost comes up with a narrative outline, and then Lynch puts in all the the tendons between those kind of story points. Right. You know, it's he puts in the Lynch. <laughs> I
3: mean, I don't know how else to say it. Right. But there right. is no other way of saying it. How uh, great it, you know, it, how? I go ahead. Go ahead. No, please, how great is what? How great is that is that uh sort of kind of opening scene with the with the guy looking into the box <laughs> into the yeah you know kind of mirroring us looking into the box you know watching the television you know right. but uh but uh that 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 scene was stunning and uh I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't watched it, but believe me, it really it really it really adds up to something quite horrifying. But uh, uh It's just it's just nuts. I, and that's, I just love and that's
0: it. 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 There's like there's like the, fol- the the folksy humor, uh, the jolly gee whiz golly gee whiz humor in it. It's very Lynchian. And then it's it's you know, what what surprised me I think most about it is that it went? Uh, it's not limited to Twin Peaks. I mean, it, from, from the outset, uh, you go to New York City, and yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what I don't know what they did when they shot that exterior of the the, the skyline in New York City. But it was a it's a dazzling shot. Yeah, uh, when The city all lit up. I mean, there was yeah. something that really popped about that image.
3: Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree I, I love I love that they're they not staying Vegas in and, yeah. yeah yeah going to Vegas that's right that's yeah, an amazing no that's great that's it's, it's, that scene is in, in, insane uh, but um, I, I think it's so great that they're not staying in Twin Peaks that's, I, I I would imagine there's some people who are not happy about it uh, but right. uh, but I, I I really appreciate that they're going outside of it and it's not just a uh, it's not just a return and, oh, here's your favorite characters and everything, you know, it's uh, it's not doing that. Um, oh. And, uh, oh, I gotta say this, uh, you know, I, although I am mystified as why Michael Ankeen didn't uh, show up in this uh, season of the show, uh, he says he's retired. Um, but, uh, uh, I do love the addition of Robert Forster as the sheriff now. I think, I think. that's a great touch. I yes. think that's just a perfect touch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the presence, his presence, makes me miss Keene just a little bit less. You know what I mean? Like, a, well, yeah, they got a suitable person in here. That's good. Uh, well, he, that re- crazy. he really did. Re- he really did retire.
0: Um oh, okay But uh, but it is, I mean, a lot of people retired uh, From the original cast And some of them out of necessity Because there were no opportunities out there But when Lynch came calling they, they answered the phone So it's odd that, that he was hesitant to do that But, uh, I mean, Robert Forrester is a Lynch actor And that in itself seems a little odd Because who, who's more, like, no bullshit Than uh, Robert Forrester?
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's true, and uh, I'm surprised to learn. I don't know if this is true or not. Uh, just read it on the internet. Not everything on the internet is true, of course. But uh, uh, the um, the uh, I, the Forrester was originally approached to play that role back in back in the '80s, uh, and he couldn't do it. So. I thought that was that was interesting, but I think it's also interesting too that there's there seems to be some kind of like weird connection to uh, Mulholland Drive and indeed the entire Lynch universe and just in general. Well, really, know. I yes. think episode yes.
2: four. I think episode four is directly tied into that. I mean, unless I'm missing something, um, I'll just leave it at that. I do. I think they're all tied. I I, I actually think he. I think he. This is his way. Since this isn't now we know this isn't his swan song because he said he is going he wants to make more movies. Um, he has that he we misinterpreted that whole thing that he wasn't going to make any more movies. He he okay. is going to. He is no he is I didn't know we no one knew about this till this weekend. He just said the the how she the said to make movies is very hard. He's not, and he's absolutely right about that. Um, but he still would like to make movies. But I have a feeling that we're only in the very beginning here. I think each episode, we're just going to go a little bit further down the rabbit hole, and I <laughs> and I couldn't ask for anything more. I hope so. I hope that's the way. I hope that's
3: exactly where it goes. Where it,
0: it, just... it really is. It really isn't. You know, not in a I'm copying myself way, but it it does feel like a assemblage of Everything that we know Lynch for, and, and, and in some respects, you can look and you can see traces of his prior work. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure when Dale when Dale Cooper escapes the Black Lodge, uh, he'll do it on a tractor. Uh, I think uh, there's going to be a lot of. <laughs> but it's, I want to talk about the reaction to it because um, there was one comment on a YouTube channel that I that I responded to, not not our YouTube page, but it was a Showtime. YouTube video of Twin Peaks and a guy said, you know, this this is the most terrible thing I've ever seen on television. It's like Lynch is giving the middle finger to everyone that's ever loved Twin Peaks. And I was like, well, it's kind of ironic that people said the exact same thing about Firewalk with me. And and I adore Firewalk with me. And for me, those first 2 hours played like the first half hour of Firewalk with me because if you remember mm-hmm the first half hour of Fire Walk with Me is pretty effing out there. you're <laughs> it, it, oh, Not yeah. even in Twin Peaks during that half hour. Um, and I thought, I actually thought that, I know differently now, but I actually thought that the first two hours was, exa- was molded exactly to, to do that, to be that right. first half hour of Fire Walk with Me. And then you'd get back to Twin Peaks, and it would start like a story about the residents of Twin Peaks more strictly. <laughs> Uh, but obviously that's not the case <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but the guy responded to me And he said oh I love Firewalk with me And I'm like yeah man sure you do And, and yet yeah, <laughs> sure. you, you just You know I, I think you know who Lynch is Or you don't you know, and it's, I like I love half of this stuff I'm lukewarm on the other half So I'm a discerning Lynch fan But, uh, but I,
3: I love what he's doing Here in this show, I think I'm less of a discerning fan i am I'm, I'm more of a true true, true like all in there fans really It's not a lot of stuff my list that i'm like uh, i totally dismiss so uh but uh but uh, you know I'm just glad to see his uh see his work back you know I mean when you see those uh you know the kind of uh, art direction and the way that the cameras are set up and the the acting style and everything it really is like you know seeing an old friend again and uh it's uh, it's it's absolutely thrilling it's the it's the movie event of the year let's face it i mean so far it just is uh,
2: uh, let's, yeah. also, let's also be honest. One of the best things, if you look at the credits, because you have to watch the credits now um, for sure, um, is that he does he does the sound work, which I think is remor- just incredible. I mean, right. I, I just I love that. I mean.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, <laughs> name another director that does this sound work. I can't think yeah. of one. But uh, yeah, I, I love that, how that brings they... up
0: another comment that I, I saw people make. I mean, some people made, you know, there's something missing for the series. There needs to be more more music. What's up with this sound mix? And I, I was thinking this is the exact same sound mix he's been using since Eraserhead. I mean, yeah, every I scene mean... has that that obsessive humming. Going on like you're in some kind of industrial factory or something mm-hmm.
1: I mean that
0: that's what this is a sound mix i think i
4: think
0: it was i think it was like it uh, let me just say this I think it was a New York times review or something that uh, said uh, that they had a problem with the song at the end of the opening two hours uh they were uh, like so un- unrealistic that uh that's so ridiculous that they'd be playing a song like that in a Country bar like that,
3: that's I thought to myself, "Stupidest comment ever! I saw that. It comedy. really is." It's a, I was it's like, "Did you watch part? the original show? <laughs> <laughs> it's got it's got Julie Cruz up there.
4: Yeah, I mean, come yeah, on,
3: that's it's sure. it's, 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 <laughs> it's supposed to be another kind of world anyway. That that bar, but uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it, I guess the person that was complaining about the sound mix or whatever too is is also maybe talking about there's a lack of music in the show. I mean it's it's yeah. not as heavily <laughs> it's not as heavily scored by Angelo Battalamenti's uh you know great music uh as as the original the first two seasons were. So but uh I I think it's I think it's trying to do something different. I mean obviously it's it's go it's going into another world. It's 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 really uh you know it's, that's just as plain and simple as I can say uh, so, But God I'm loving it And I'm what's his name? Uh, Matthew, Matthew Lillard It's
0: been interesting to see his Twitter feed Because nobody really knew that, How prominent his role would be In the series if they knew he was in it at all And uh, The level of uh, love that he got The night after it premiered Was kind of overwhelming to him And right. uh, I mean he He felt like his career was he was kind of struggling, and he said, "It's so it feels so good to be in something that people notice you in." Yeah, and, he, mm-hmm.
3: and
0: his few scenes in that premiere are really are really striking.
3: Yeah, he's he's really good at it. I liked uh, Michael Sarah. Uh, Michael <laughs> Sarah shows up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, he does. Yes, he.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's like giving everyone who missed out the first wave a chance to you know chime in. You know, uh, and he's giving everyone their due. Um, yeah, I mean
3: even Brent Briscoe, you know. Yes,
2: the, I Briscoe.
3: I love I love that Brent Briscoe and Robert Forrester, who were also in in uh, Mulholland Drive yeah. uh, for one scene as detectives. And of course, you know that was a scuttled TV series that that died, so they didn't get to, you know, in, enlarge their role. But uh, I love that they're both back here with larger roles. You know, it makes me makes me wonder if some of this material that we're seeing might have been, you know, uh, repurposed in Mulholland Drive oh, stuff. Oh, I think
2: I think I think it is because I think he felt really burned by that on the whole experience. Uh-huh. So I would I wouldn't be surprised if there is um, some of that in here. I mean, there has to be. I can't imagine if you're David Lynch, you're not gonna. What are you going yeah. like? You
3: wrote you wrote all these uh, episodes of Mulholland Drive, and now you're just gonna throw them in the dr- throw them in the garbage? <laughs> yeah. No, come on, please. That's not gonna happen. So it's got there's gotta be does, some does of J- it. Is, is Jennifer Jason Lee Does she have
0: more to do in three and four? I mean, she'll see uh,
3: it again? No I, no, I haven't. I haven't. No. I. I no, That's so weird. I hope yet. she
0: has more to do than than just be wet for that one scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll
3: get you'll get to see uh, you'll get to see Naomi Watts in the yeah oh yeah some, and she's she's very good too she's oh uh, you know no surprise there but you know that's 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 extremely neat to see her in it so uh, and it looks like she's wearing well, the same the same pink sweater that she wore in Mulholland Drive too it's yep like the same mm-hmm. pink sweater that's buttoned with one button you know uh, it's uh, it's it's really funny. I love well, it.
0: There's a, there was, I think it was something in IndieWire or Slate or something that uh, loves the show, but uh, threw a common criticism uh, about Lynch and said, um, Hang on, Adam just sent me a message. And said, You know, we love the show, but you got to lay off the violence against women, which has always been a crit- uh, criticism of Lynch. It was uh, Roger Ebert's major criticism of Lynch. He mm-hmm. always said, Look, Lynch is a major filmmaker. But I don't like the fact that he he shows these scenes of such intense abuse against women, and then he takes on this jokey attitude, like oh it's just uh, you, know, you know that kind of shaves the tension off of it. That was his problem with Lynch. But uh, what, mm. what, what are you guys' take on that elements of his work?
3: Well, I definitely noticed it. I mean, I was definitely sitting there boy, this is <laughs> the women are getting the, tough end of, the, yeah. the tough end of the stick here on, on this on this show uh yeah i mean I, you know i it, it's uh i'm not I'm not personally offended by it i'm I'm fine with it uh, i think that, i think that there's a long tradition of putting women in peril uh sometimes fatal peril in uh in noir movies. Uh of course there's a long tradition of, of females in noir movies being uh, very tough and surviving yeah. to the end. So uh I I don't know. I, I have I have kind of mixed feelings about it. Uh it was it was jarring to see, you know, there's there's five or six <laughs> five or six violent endings to women. I don't mean to laugh about it but uh uh <laughs> I, it's just part of the, I, for me, it's just part of, of, of David Lynch, you know, it's, uh, I can't make any, you know, apologies for him or anything. It's just, it's just, it is, it's there and, you know, it Look, is, his uh, tagline
2: for Inland Empire, what was it, a woman in danger, a woman in trouble or yeah. something? I mean, yeah. let's not forget, I mean, he, look, and he does write great parts of the limits but it is part of the story. It's not like he's endorsing this. It's not like he. and I think we got to really, this is what I cannot stand when people start doing this. No, this is part of the story. It's not like Mr. Lynch is saying it's okay to brutalize women far from it. So I really have to, I, I I do sometimes wonder if we have become a nation of fucking pussies. I I really (laughs) do. When I read shit like that, it makes, it's very upsetting. Um, because we, it, it's just too sensitive. There is, you're, you're giving fuel to the enemy when you start writing things like that. Um, Mr. Lynch, is, anyone who has studied David Lynch knows that he is not advocating any of this stuff. It's part of the story. It is make-believe. Let's try I mean, to get that through our heads. And, really. and let's, let's just say this. In
3: horror movies, who's always in peril? Women. They're women. always a per- they're always running away for you know it's always women that are uh, doing. I mean, let's face it, women in the world, uh, you know, at, at the hands of evil, women are mm-hmm. usually the victims and generally, you know. i mean, it's, I'm sorry. I, 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 mean, I,
2: I ignore shit like that.
3: And and these are acts that are obviously pure evil. Yeah. Uh, that that are happening. So I mean. Uh, I think the you know the that some of them are happening against women. Uh, I I just underlies that evil. You know, yeah. it's like you know. uh um so I, I you, you know i i dismiss it comp- i dis- dismiss it completely, but i did notice it and i, and I yeah. knew that it would be i knew that it would be controversial for a lot of people who right. who can't stand having their buttons pushed these days they just can't stand it and i'm sorry they they i agree Jerry they all need to. Sorry, but they need to man up. I'm, yeah, just I'm chill, sorry. Just you know.
2: chill out. I mean, really. I'm yeah. Just, I'm really yeah. getting sick of it. Well, know. And,
0: and the bottom line is, is that just like you said, he does give great roles to women. And yes. Isabella Rossellini in Blue Velvet is one of the, you know, you could say that she's uh, uh, very much a victim of sexual abuse and domination and that sort of thing. Right, uh, and that actually makes her a lot more interesting as a character. I mean, she's a very specific character. She's not mm-hmm. just, you know, insert woman here so we can beat her up.
3: Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. So I mean, it's it's a yeah, it's a it's a Lula. I, I can Lula is a I can character. It, uh,
0: Laura Palmer herself is, is a lot like the Isabella Rossellini character. Uh, for me, Laura Palmer is the ultimate little girl lost. And and you feel how much empathy Lynch has for her. If you mm-hmm. watch that premiere episode from 1990 or Fire Walk With Me, it's obvious. Um, yeah, and Lula, and while the heart is a strong, empowered woman, uh, n- not afraid of her sexuality um, or her love for a sailor, uh, and then, of course, you have Mulholland Drive, which is entirely driven by women. So, uh, I mean, the, it, it, front that criticism against someone with the worst track record, uh, you know.
3: Absolutely. Because uh, Lynn
0: has a great one.
3: Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I need to call Adam. Okay.
3: Let's see if I can do this. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I like this. This is weird, I mean, I don't I'm like know. a. It's like I'm being on a radio game show or something. I know really. I mean
5: <laughs> great. <Okay>. Next contestant? <laughs> yes. Uh, so, so Adam,
0: we we were talk we were talking about Twin Peaks. Did you get to see it? What are your thoughts?
5: I haven't. I haven't actually. I this I've been slammed with uh it's in my day job, uh, I'm in media also, you know, programming T V commercials and it has been End of the broadcast month, and that's not a good time for me to try to catch up with things yeah so, um, but this week should be good, so I'm hoping to uh just kind of you know catch up with the uh several at one time and and knock them out but uh yeah. I'm hearing good things, yeah
3: yes we're we're over the moon about it
0: <laughs> I don't know this would be a, for me, it would be a tough thing to binge watch. And
4: I, <laughs> I think
0: that, uh, and I, I like the fact that Lynch said, you know, I don't want, I don't, I didn't want to bring Twin Peaks to a platform that would release everything at once, because I want people to think about and absorb right. what they've just experienced for, mm-hmm. for a good week, and then come, you know, that works for Lynch, I think.
5: Yeah. Yeah, it is. maybe I just need to do one at a time. Then I think you're uh you're you're twisting my arm to go that way, which doesn't sound like a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
3: you know, I I did binge watch all four. So and and had had Twin Peaks like dreams that night. So, but uh uh you know, it's it's I can I can do the other way too, you know. I can I can wait a week, you know. I probably would I mean, obviously I'll have to. So, <laughs> but uh
0: uh, and let me, let me tell you that the best uh, the best conversation post-Twin Peaks premiere is on Entertainment Weekly, and it's an interview with David Lynch where they ask him specific questions about the first four episodes. Uh, and it's a really good interview. It, it made me laugh out loud a few times, uh, sure. especially when he's talking about the, uh, the, the tree with the head on top. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that he used to replace Michael Anderson. I guess that's what happens <laughs> when you claim that that uh, your director slept with his daughter, which, you know, they didn't end well, that relationship. Um, oh, I didn't know about all that. Yeah, yeah, they're they they they're not uh, they're not on friendly terms. That's why he wasn't invited back. Okay.
3: Mm. Ah, so he that. replaced
0: him with a tree. <laughs> <laughs> a
3: tree with a wad of gum in, the <laughs> in its branches. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Interesting.
5: All right, well, I'm, re- I'm very Adam, I'm was,
3: very excited about it. yeah but
5: anyway. Go ahead, I'm sorry. We'll be talking about
0: May blu rays. So, uh Yeah. It's your time to shine, my friend.
5: <laughs> well, actually, May I think was a little better month than uh, April. April, the pickings were a little slim. March was really good and uh we kind of dipped down in April, but I think it came back with a with well, a vengeance in May, uh, really, really good stuff. And so we'll we'll start out on uh, May second, and we'll just do it chronologically like we normally do. And how about uh, you know we can start with one of the uh, lower points of the month, uh, the Hindenburg. <laughs> how about that? Oh my God! <laughs> yeah. uh, have you
3: tried to watch that recently?
5: No, uh, I tried about 10 years ago, maybe 15, and it was really, really bad.
3: (laughs) I tried to watch it last year again, you know, for the first time in many years. And, uh, boy, what a bore that movie is. It is so boring. The only thing that's good about it is the Albert Whitlock special effects. I mean, there are some spectacular... uh, you know, Albert Whitlock was a major uh, force in, in matte painting. You know, the, yes. uh, what what uh, if you don't know what a matte painting is? It's basically a painting that's that's uh, incorporated uh, into you know live action. Uh, it's the old 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 way that they do things. You know, with digital now, you know, digital's replaced um, matte paintings in general. I think, but uh, there's some spectacular work from Albert Whitlock. Uh, who, I should also say, you know, worked with Mel Brooks and and uh, and of course uh, um, uh, Alfred Hitchcock uh, a lot, and uh, some of that stuff is great. But boy, story wise and just acting wise and almost everything else, even though it's directed by a really good director, Robert Wise, it's just not. It is dull. You're just waiting for the
2: end. I mean, you're just waiting for the thing to blow up.
3: <laughs>
5: That's basically and it. Then- yeah, and they even botch the end of it when the uh, you know it's supposed to be so climactic, you know the uh, the re- the recreation of the Hindenburg you know crashing, and they keep you know they they build up the suspense and then they just pause the pause the film right in the middle of it crashing over and over again repeatedly. It's a really weird thing how they do that, and they just uh, and they cut they use the real footage, then they cut into. Uh, new footage and they just it's it's not well done for. And because Robert Wise uh, directed, so yeah. yeah. the
3: using of the real footage, you know, is dumb. I think. Yeah, really, it is. It is really dumb. But then again, back then maybe they didn't know how to really do it or what. But they should have worked on it more. Uh, yeah. It's it still won a special Oscar for its uh for its uh special effects uh so.
5: How is the uh David Shire score?
3: <laughs> cuz I always see oh, that album. Oh, that's good.
5: That's good, I think. That's probably one of the better things about it actually. Mm. Uh in my opinion, um yeah, yeah cuz he's he's pretty dependable. You know, most of his stuff is is usually I I love uh, him. Yeah. yeah, me yeah. too, me too. So yeah, that's that's that would be one of the the saving graces of it, and uh, it and it, you know it is it's it's well shot, but it's just the story's not there. Like uh, Dean said, it's just it lumbers. Yeah, um, it it does it does. You know what? Good. You know what?
0: Uh, you know what? David Shire score that I would love to to have, but they've never. I don't think they've ever isolated it and
3: released it. <clears throat>
0: is Straight Time?
3: Yeah, I love. Yeah. Free time music. Yeah, I mean, oh. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's a that's one of his greatest scores. No question that's about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I
5: found a I I found an MP3 of the theme from that on SoundCloud, but that's the closest I've come to finding anything. I haven't I haven't found anything. Other yeah,
0: than and that, it and it has it has the uh, it has the sound. It, it's fr- it is from the opening credits, and so it has all the sound effects of the bus and everything else. <laughs> right, yeah, scooped off of the actual the actual print. <laughs>
5: yeah. Oh uh, gosh. Okay. Well. Yeah. So anyway, the Hindenburg, and 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 another thing to talk to mention about the Hindenburg. Uh, if you think it's long as it is and dull, well, they added ten more minutes to it when it came on network television. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> just just for whatever it's worth, I do remember that specifically. Is there, like special in,
2: footage of? um of um uh, George C. E. Scott berating Robert Wise. I mean <laughs>
0: <laughs> or, is, yeah. or is it the ten minutes that he is it the ten minutes that he cut out of magnificent Ambersons? That would be cool. <laughs> would be very,
4: cool. I mean... very
5: good, very good. Touche. Yeah, so so we'll, uh, and how about Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone, uh, yes. which was released yes. in the 3D craze of the early 80s, uh, Mill Creek has released this one, um, and I don't think it's in 3D, I think it's just in standard 2D, which is kind of crazy, actually, uh because that's the only selling point for that movie, I think. Yes. Um, I thought the only
2: selling point that he played a, a, an intergalactic garbage man. I thought that was, the, that was the selling point of the movie, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. No, I mean, you know, let's, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of these films at this time. There's this, there's Metal Storm. I mean, there's a whole bunch of these. Uh, yep. you know, it should just be a film festival of shit. Um, and <laughs> they should show all of them. And there, the sad thing is, these films are better than a lot of the movies that we consider A-list movies today. That's I agree. You know, <laughs> yeah. you, I think you would agree. I think we'd all agree that there's some, there is in these films, these low-budget things that that were all Star Wars knockoffs at the time um, are so much better than a lot of the stuff that comes out right now like this first run. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I know I'm, I might be alone in that, but I, I actually do feel that way.
5: I agree.
2: I agree. There's a there's uh, a nauseating nostalgia that creeps through my heart.
0: It really it really is. Mm-hmm. I mean I'm I'm wondering if thirty years from now if if people that are children now are gonna be nostalgic for transformers and how bad are movies gonna have to be thirty years from now for them to feel nostalgia for transformers. <laughs>
2: yeah. I right? you know it's a nostalgia for, for nostalgia for a bowel movement. I mean, you know, I, you know, never mind. Well yeah. it's possible well, by it's the, the same way. Difference. It,
3: it's possible that movies will get better, and pe- those people who were raised on garbage will-, will go. God, I loved it when movies were more garbagey. <laughs> so maybe that's what's going to happen. Well, oh, look I look at that—a hopeful note from Gene. That's true.
4: Yeah, good. no, no. I uh, positive,
0: but, I guess. I love the title. Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. I yes. love the fact that it was like a I love the fact that it was a Cinemax staple back in the day oh, yeah. uh, and you know, it's I don't know why it's not in three D, but when they don't play things in three D, isn't it all fuzzy? Like anytime you see Jaws three on T V, it's fuzzy as hell. You know what I'm talking about? Blurry.
3: Yes. Yep, yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I can't explain that. I don't understand why why things look fuzzy on television. Uh, I'd like to know the answer to that, but it's true.
5: It's just, yeah, Friday the 13th Part 3 is another one. That comes oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Oh, my God, during I that time. about that. Parasite. Yeah. Remember that one? Oh, Paras- yeah, Parasite.
2: That's Parasite Demi Moore's best role.
5: Right. Yeah. Which is and the, what about which coming,
4: is, oh, coming at, at you?
2: you. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I'm God, yeah.
4: <laughs> and tre-
3: tre- Treasures of the Four Crowns, they're rare. Uh, <laughs> oh, yep. God. Oh, no. my God. There's- you win, but- Dean. You win. You win. <laughs> you brought
2: treasure of the Four Crowns.
3: Uh-huh. Yep. And yep. then plus there was all the, you know, this is earlier, but all the sex movies that were in 3D, like the stewardess mm-hmm. and stewardess well, and Well, those were so great.
2: Cool. I, I, you know, could any of those open this weekend?
3: <laughs> I mean yeah. you know, I'm
2: being very serious. Could anything else have opened? I mean, wasn't it wasn't there like a lost like, you know, uh Andy Sedaris movie that could have opened? I mean, seriously, there was nothing there was nothing else that could have opened this weekend. War Machine well, I mean, been I, released I, the I I
0: know the actors. <laughs> I know the actors that were in those old sex movies and they were open every weekend. So it's not the <laughs> okay, <laughs> I
2: know. My uncle Leon can attest to that, but I mean, you know yeah. <laughs>
5: yeah. Well, okay. Adam. Yeah, we, it's nostalgia for the old for the 3D of old. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, how about uh the Naked Cage from 1986? Uh, Screen Factory issued that with uh Sherry Shatuk uh, and Angel Tompkins, It was the director of Chained Heat. Uh, one uh, of those prison flicks. Never saw it actually, but I kind of remember when it used to turn up on cable. Speaking of cable, it. Uh, was... Hang on, Adam. I'm gonna
0: rewind to when I first brought you on tonight, and you said that this was a better month than usual. Is is the evidence of that coming (laughs) up? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so far,
2: dude, I'm I'm really. Well, are you paid to say that?
5: (laughs) No, we're getting to it. I'm trying to get the bad ones out of the way first, so we can uh, (laughs) get to the cream of the crop.
2: (laughs) I I hope the cream is worth it. I mean, it it is. It is.
5: We're getting there. Because uh, I was going to mention Seven Days in May From John Frankenheimer Now that's a good one We can all agree on that one I think We can all that's agree going on right movie. now
2: um,
3: <laughs> That's a fantastic yeah. movie That's one of my yeah. favorites Of his his works
2: uh, Even oh, though yeah. I I don't really like
3: the scenes <clears throat> They're important to the story But I don't really like The sort of romantic scenes With uh, Ava Gardner I find them quite dull Mm-hmm. But uh, I kind of always found her kind of a dull actress in general. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: and she's be- oh, beautiful God. and everything, but
2: I've
3: never. <laughs>
4: We're going to have another
3: Joe Crawford thing.
4: People are going to yeah, write
2: in. I see. So you're saying that she had nice headlights. That, that when you're saying that, she had great headlights. That's
4: about it. <laughs>
2: but uh but otherwise, the movie
3: is fantastic i i you know it's that it's that great john frankenheimer sort of photograph- black and white photography that's very unique to the to his sixties work uh and it really uh you know we're I, I you know it as the days pass, the story becomes more and more believable <laughs> you know yes. if i can say that yes. You know what I mean? Yes. it feels more feels more and more believable. Um but uh I do love uh Frederick March and it is the president. Uh and I mean, you know, he gets kind of overshadowed by Kirk Douglas and uh Bert Lancaster. Basically if you don't know what the movie movie's about, it's about a, a a military general uh staging a coup against an unpopular president, a secret coup. And, uh, uh, but it's got a great cast, you know. Who, who is it? Edmund O'Brien? Is it, uh,
5: is it? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> Lancaster and Kirk Douglas and Frederick March. And, yeah. uh, Edmund O'Brien. Edmund O'Brien, plays. Martin Balsam. Yes. Yeah.
3: And, uh, and, uh and, a, and a really early role for John Houseman, too, who was at that point not an actor. He was, mm-hmm. he had never acted before, but, uh. Uh, he was mostly a producer, most famously for Orson Welles, but uh, Frankenheimer, uh, you know, got him to be in the movie for a couple of scenes, and he's got a couple of really great scenes in
5: Yeah, him. also scripted by Rod Serling. So it's worth yeah, mentioning. I mean, it's one of the two, you
2: know, he two great scripts that he contributed to motion pictures. So I
5: mean, yeah. So uh, yeah, it's uh, Warner Archives issued this, and. Uh, If you are a fan of the film, uh, it has commentary by Frankenheimer also that was recorded shortly before he passed. So uh, if if you want to know about what he thinks about it and all that, you can find out. Uh, Another thing uh, that was released on May 2nd would be the 40th anniversary edition of Saturday Night Fever, which features the director's cut of the film which um is not really as big of a difference as I had hoped that it might be. It's only 4 minutes longer. Uh the differences are very minor. Just, you know, kind of extensions of scenes and things of, of that nature. Nothing nothing really earth-shattering, but uh the good the good news is that it looks great. Uh this is probably the best looking uh that it's never looked this good on home video that I know. I've owned it several times. Uh, and it's really quite spectacular. So if you're looking for a, and if you don't want to see the director's cut, there is an, an option to get the original here as well. You can, you know. So it's not like you're uh, being forced character. to watch the director's cut. So uh, and lots of featurettes and commentary by uh, our friend uh, John Batham of course, friend of the show. And uh, so, um, you know, certainly, certainly worth worth picking up. I would say
3: yeah so that's, um that's the
5: uh, that's definitely
3: one I'm going to get I think
5: oh yeah it's certainly worth it and it's not really not really very expensive uh, it's pretty pretty uh, inexpensive for it's certainly worth it. getting uh real genius from 1985 That's uh one of those that there's a fondness for we're talking about movies with a fondness well this is one that has its in, it might uh, be his best role. Let's not beat Al
2: around Kilmer, the bush. Yeah. It may be Val Kilmer's best role. I mean, let's not beat around the bush. It's a very funny movie yeah. that really rests on him for the most part. Mm-hmm. I mean, very manic performance. Yeah, yeah he's
3: very good in it. Yeah. yeah,
2: I mean, it's a great – that's a really I, – I mean, of all the um, – Remember that's you have the My Science Project, Weird Science, and Real Genius, and I think Real Genius is the one that holds up the best. Um, mm-hmm.
3: It's the smartest one out of all of them, you know. Oh
2: God, yeah. Uh, I mean, My Science Project is resting on Dennis Lor- Dennis Hopper,
0: and, uh,
2: <laughs> and when he's not in the yeah. movie, that movie is a is a is a slog. I mean,
0: yeah. But we did a uh, mm-hmm. we did a Real Genius um, anniversary show two years ago. <laughs> and that was uh, Martha Coolidge, right? Yeah, I think
5: so. I think so, so. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, I believe so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was so, a period uh, of
0: time. I mean, people people talk about a lack of female directors today, and you know there certainly are, and there always have been. There's a period of time in the '90s when a, when a few of them were entrusted with some pretty, for the time, b- big studio efforts, um, and Martha Coolidge was was one of those.
3: Yeah, Miranda
0: Haynes. Haynes was another one that people don't yeah. know very
3: often.
5: Amy know. What ha- and what happened to all of them? I mean, that's the thing. You know, they, TV. they they're still around, but you don't see yeah, them uh, doing. Yeah, they do TV.
2: They, a lot of them do yeah, TV. Sad.
5: You look... Yeah, yeah, really good stuff. But uh, yeah, well, how about Brewster's Millions with uh, uh, <laughs> uh, John how about Candy? <laughs> <laughs> that is
3: the worst you know it's a remake right it's a remake of a, of an older uh-huh. film but yeah mm-hmm. uh uh that is one of the worst things i remember rev- having to review that back in college and it was so depressing cause i and i do believe that that's the movie that that uh in some ways kind of ruined walter hill's career as a director uh i mean it it, it never really felt like he came back after that um, but uh, uh, it, it it is so painfully unfunny, and I mean it, that's really saying something when you've got both Richard Pryor and John Candy in the same movie. But it just yeah. it just it's another one of those terrible uh, Richard Pryor vehicles from the '80s that just uh, died. I mean, there were some good ones, you know, like I mm-hmm. like uh, some kind of hero and. Uh, and a few others, but uh, Bust and Loose, yeah. Bust and Loose is okay, Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Like as as a dumb you know Saturday afternoon movie, right? But uh, but uh, you know generally they were unwatchable, and, they, and this one is, is definitely one of those.
0: Did Walter Hill also do The Toy?
5: No, no, that that's was
0: Richard
3: Donner.
5: I was going right. to say, yeah. Yeah,
3: that's Richard right. Donner,
5: right? That's
3: right. Yeah. But that was uh, another one that was uh, unwatchable. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're we're speaking, all
5: fallible. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I
3: guess. Well,
5: uh, Walter Hill's been around uh, on all the uh, a lot of the podcasts promoting his new film, which incidentally also yeah. came out this month, The Assignment with uh, Sigourney Weaver and Michelle Rodriguez, which is getting pretty positive word of mouth. I have not gotten around to looking at it yet, but. Uh, but the, but he's been promoting that. He has some in- interesting things to say about Brewster's Millions, and I think uh, some of the failure of that could probably be attributed to Richard Pryor. I just don't. Yeah, think that's was... the
2: impression I got from the, the right. you know, Freddie Stanellis podcast yeah. that he really sort of leaned into that theory um Richard yeah. Pryor. So um, yeah, I, I and mean, that's the thing that struck me about Brewster's Millions is how unfunny it was. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing that you're, Dean, you're absolutely right. It's just that's the thing that really gets you You have those two and the movies are done. I mean... And you
4: know. there's
2: no worse feeling than just,
3: you know... It's like, I can't stand that feeling of, like... I don't go to comedy shows very often because... Uh, like, live comedy. Because I hate that feeling of being in a room where someone's trying to be funny and uh, uh, and they're not. And just... It doesn't matter if if uh, the audience is laughing. If the audience is laughing, it's almost even worse, because you're like, ah, this is so funny. Why are you laughing? Unfunny, why are you laughing? And then, uh, you know, of course, if nobody's laughing, it's even more uncomfortable. And that's the feeling that, that Brewster's Millions gives me, is that,
5: ugh, <laughs> 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 ugh. God, get me out of here. It's, yeah, it's, um... You know, I I think John Candy was giving it his all from what I get from Walter Hill's take on it. He said John Candy was giving it his all, and he just came in with a, a can-do attitude, but, but Richard Pryor just wasn't really feeling it, and uh, I think that the film suffers because of it, but uh, but speaking of Walter Hill, we all, I, I did mention The Assignment, which is out this month as well, and... Uh, We're going to get to this later, but I'll go ahead and take care of it now. Shout Factory, uh, on their Shout Selects label, has released Streets of Fire as a two-disc special edition with uh, uh, lots of uh, bonus features. There's a documentary, uh, there's uh, uh, five vintage featurettes, there's all the music videos, of uh, the songs from the film, uh, of course, the most notable one is "I Can Dream About You" by Dan Hartman, which became top ten in summer of '84. Uh, and there's a new 2K uh, scan of the interpositive. So, if you're a fan of Walter Hill's Streets of Fire, there you go.
3: Now that one I like.
5: <laughs> that that one yeah. I,
3: I enjoy still. I I uh, I like the music. You know that Jim Steinman music that's in it like uh, uh with uh tonight's what it means to be young or something like that is <laughs> that what it's called uh so, yeah. there's a lot of good good music in it uh it's flawed i know but uh you know that cast is pretty good i mean i'm not a big michael Perret fan but he looks good here and and of course Diane Lane is uh is fantastic to look at and
2: uh, let we gotta give it to Diane Lane. We we're talking about her last week with Paris and Wayne. I mean, to be in the business this long and still be this good, I mean, yes. I mean that's that to me is that is right there is um worth every accolade. To be that good in Streets of Fire and then to be that good in forty I guess like is it is it like at least third, third well over thirty years later is incredible. I mean, yeah. I, my hat is off to her. I mean, and to constantly reinvent yourself too,
3: which she's yeah. had to
2: do. I mean, she's I, pretty fearless I
3: about to... that, I think, yeah. you know. And she's somebody that, she's somebody I feel like, uh, feel like, you know, will wait wait around for a role. You know, mm-hmm. will, will, uh, will not, uh, it doesn't feel like she'll do just anything. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, but I, I like that she, she she was uh one of the people that you know kind of early on uh you know dipped her feet into the indie waters with things like uh, uh a walk uh, a walk to the moon and and things mm-hmm. like that so but uh uh yeah i mean she's 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 great she's one of my first yeah. uh, screen crushes to tell you the truth you know <laughs> uh ever ever since uh a little romance i've been in in love with Diane Lane
5: oh yeah
3: um mm-hmm. But, uh, and she
5: looks looks great in Rumble that came out last month. I noticed how striking she was in that film. <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah. Oh
5: yeah.
2: Absolutely. I mean. So.
5: Uh, and and in the Outsiders
3: and and so forth. Mm-hmm. But uh, also we should mention the cast include, the cast of Streets of Fire includes. Uh, uh, let's see, Robert Townsend is in it. Uh, yes. But then we've got uh, uh, Amy Madigan, right? She's fantastic yeah. in it. Uh, yeah. Rick Moranis and uh willem Dafoe is the yeah fantastic as the villain so i mean it, mm-hmm. it it's and it's got really really good uh design to it it's got a really sort of like a quasi futuristic quasi nostalgic yeah. kind of design mm-hmm. to it that's uh that's that's kind of unusual and it's 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 got its problems, but I like it
4: oh yeah occurred
3: to me
0: two thoughts just occurred to me one because we're talking about Willem Dafoe in like a musical, I think he'd be great as the MC in a production of Cabaret. I'd like to see that. That would be good. Uh, That would be kind (laughs) of neat, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. And secondly, uh, the only only thing I remember about Streets of Fire, because I don't even know if I've ever seen it, But I did turn it on cable one time, and it was on, and there's a conversation between Michael Perret and Diane Lane on a staircase, and so it cuts to her, then it cuts to him, and they go back and forth. Every single time they cut to Michael Perret, his hair is different. And, (laughs) I mean, it's uncanny. Out of five separate shots, he has, like, five different hair lengths (laughs) or styles, or his hair's on his face, and then it's not, and and uh, that's the only thing that stuck with me about that movie is the bad continuity <laughs> of that scene. Hmm.
3: I remember <laughs> thinking the same thing about the uh, 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 Year of the Dragon. The uh, um, oh yeah, <laughs> everyone
2: did. Mickey Rourke's hair—I yeah. mean, just changes every fucking scene. I mean,
3: oh, that's—it's one of the worst things about the movie. It's just so
5: distracting, you
3: know. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
5: but uh, yeah, anyway. But I will say about uh, Streets of Fire is it's wonderfully photographed by Andrew Laszlo, who photographed most of Walter Hill's uh the, the seminal movies in his you know, the early part of his career. He's the same guy who photographed Warriors and Southern Comfort and the Driver, so or not the driver, I don't think he did the driver, but anyway he did a lot of those early Walter Hill films. So uh it's
3: Do you do long riders
5: too? I believe he did, yes. Which yeah. is coming out by the way in August. They're doing a uh, reissue on that, but that's coming down the pike. But anyway, it looks like a Walter Hill uh, a, a time for um, a reevaluation of Walter Hill because all these Walter Hill titles are coming out. <laughs> so um,
2: he
5: he did some stuff after though.
2: Brewster's Million. That's worthwhile. I mean, Extreme Prejudice um, to a lesser extent, Red Heat. I mean, when we get into the 90s, we get into, I mean... Another 48 into, hours. <laughs> that's, that's the problem. Um, we get into another 48 hours, which is supposed to save everyone's You also have career. Wild
0: Bill. Wild Bill in 96, mm-hmm. I think.
2: That's not Ooh, a that bad is, movie. That's, that's not, a good movie. It's not yeah. a bad movie. Um, and then you have the, the actual... Um, the actual version of Yojimbo um, based on uh, the, the Dashiell Hammett story <laughs> Red Harvest Last Man Standing which just doesn't work. Um, right. I Some people it. have good things to say about it. Uh, I've, I've, it, it, I've it's, read occasionally. I think Christopher but. Walken I think Christopher Walken's good in it. He was the villain, right? He played the um, mm-hmm. I, You know, I've, it's never not seen, a great movie. I've never it's seen it. It's not a bad it. movie. It's just kind of like don't mess with the original kind of. Like, it works so well <laughs> in the samurai thing um but i gotta give him points for trying though i can't fault him for that i mean if i was gonna say if walter walter hill um in this century what do we have bullet in the head and um the assignment i guess right those are
3: yeah no, i mean you know there's you know uh you know there was that terrible sci-fi movie uh supernova uh which oh that you, you was did. a dud. yeah <laughs> which... dude, that's that's a bad if he mark, put yeah. another name on you know, he didn't even he didn't only the sign even put name of greatness. But uh you know, for me I guess I guess uh, Wild Bill is the last movie of his that I I really thought was a note. I mean I do I you know, I have problems with extreme prejudice. Really I, really I at, but I I just do feel like I do feel like Brewster's Millions is the is the demarcation line because <laughs> Up until that point, with, you know, with the amazing, you know, procession of, you know, the Warriors and Long Riders, Southern mm. Comfort, 48 Hours and Streets of Fire. That's an mm-hmm. amazing line of movies. And then you you just feel like Brewster's Million Steps in there and ruins the whole party for everybody. So, but, uh, you know... That's, you know, five yeah. good movies is, is not bad. I I do I do have some some love for like things like Johnny Handsome and. Uh, oh yeah, let's not
2: forget Johnny right. Handsome. That's the that's the one.
3: Yeah, I mean you yeah. can't forget that. Um, yeah, jo- mm-hmm. and and trespass wasn't wasn't bad for just sort of trashy, trashy. You know, waste your time watching. Right. Pacino was doing Johnny
0: Handsome for a long time. He said it was the best part he ever read. But they ultimately gave it to Mickey mm-hmm. Rourke. Uh, but, uh, I, yeah, I remember Johnny Handsome. He was... I, I had, you know, film nerds in high school, which there are they're few and far between that truly knew their stuff, like I did. But I, I, I do remember there being some of them that were gung-ho on Walter Hill. Walter Walter Hill was the best maker of kind of muscular man yeah. movies.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's true. That's what. Yes. Yeah. That's absolutely what he was, you know, and yeah. and still is to a certain extent. So he is. Yeah. Yep.
5: Agreed. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, well, one that we'll uh, just mention in passing because there's not much to say about it is Virus, starring uh, William Baldwin and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Donald Sutherland from 1999. So there's nothing to say about it. Thank <laughs> you for bringing it yeah. up. This-
2: you're bringing it up is bad enough. I mean, yeah.
5: <laughs> well, it's it's for anybody who wants to know, there it is. Uh, and moving has, along has, to has
0: fair, has fair game uh, been remastered? Do, are we going to get the remaster of William Baldwin? <laughs> uh,
5: yeah, I mean uh, Sliver
0: and Fair Game.
5: <laughs> uh, not at this point, but uh, uh. anything's possible. Anything Remember is possible.
0: Remember Sliver, dude.
4: Oh I mean, that, man! That was
5: going oh, yeah. to be Robert
3: Evans' big comeback,
5: if you remember yes. Sliver. Yes.
3: Yeah. I, I remember working at a movie theater. Uh, I was working at the Plaza Theater while we were playing Sliver, and I remember uh, my main memory of it is, uh, uh, you know, you have to put the letters of of the, spelling out the title over the theater door, you know, so you let you let people know what theater it is and uh and i took the s off of sliver and put it at the end and made it livers <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> my funniest my funniest story about that was um there was a michael manzali opened uh-huh. uh, and it was pl- it was playing in the theater right next door to Kate and Leopold that Hugh Jackman oh. the movie and, and so there wasn't enough room for the full title. So if you read it straight across, it said Kate and Alley. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's good. That's funny.
5: Wow. <laughs> well, there's uh, so, well, uh, moving along to May ninth. Uh, so we covered the fifth. And oh the Naked We're Gun on trilogy.
4: Oh my God! <laughs> well,
5: I was gonna say the Naked Gun trilogy uh, was issued by Paramount. Those those have been available separately, but now you can get them together uh, in one package, which is for like 13 bucks, which is worth it, I think. Um, oh yeah, it's not bad. So um, anyway, there's that. And uh, speaking of films that uh, we don't have a lot to say about, here's another one. I'm sure. Psycho, the Gus Van Sant. Nineteen ninety eight Psycho remake, uh, has been issued by Scream Factory. Um, so Yes. <laughs>
3: better better
0: left untalked I, about. I, <laughs> I, I have to, I have to tell you. I have to tell you because I've already over the years I've talked a lot about Gus Van had Psycho. I do have a lot to say about it, but I won't say it tonight because it's the same <laughs> stuff I've talked about in years past. But uh I would buy this uh, if I if it had something new on it that wasn't included in the original DVD release of it, does it have anything new other than the stuff that's already been issued?
5: Um, I don't see any uh, extras on it, actually. I don't see... Um, I'm not seeing anything new in, in terms of... Uh, you know, well, there's not going to be any deleted scenes, I wouldn't think. Uh, <laughs> if it's a yeah, shot, no. shot remake. <laughs> but, I mean, if, if, if no, it no, had list, a new I...
0: commentary on it, I'd buy it uh but the old version had a um had you know like a 20 minute making of thing um i think that's all it had but uh i i think it was a worthy effort and i'm glad he did it i'd like him to do it again <laughs> <laughs> really i would what would you suggest yeah i really do? would <laughs> uh, no i'd like to i'd like to see him remake psycho again
4: i, I, I oh, think you, it's an oh, come on. Ex- it,
0: <laughs> well, he's even mentioned that. I think it's an interesting uh, experiment to see to – see, uh, to go back and remake the same movie every 20 years in your career exactly the same way and see if it somehow turns out – feels differently. And if you could trace that back to how you have changed as an artist. I, that was the point of the whole kind of experiment that he did. And even Hitchcock remade his own movie. Of course, mm-hmm. Psycho was not Cuss Van Sant's movie, but, yeah. <laughs> but I always thought it was a uh, worthy. I always thought it was a fascinating experiment, and I don't think anybody expected it to work. I didn't expect it to work, but I, I watched it with fascination anyway.
1: I
5: think what he should do is do it as a live uh, production on NBC, like they're doing <laughs> these musicals. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like it. Cherry uh, uh, Underwood
0: uh, could play Marion Crane. Right. <laughs>
5: yeah, exactly. That's a great yeah, that, idea. That's, that's what <laughs> do. Uh, Actually, I do have a list of the special features, and there are a few. So, for whatever it's worth, here they are: new audio commentary with Rob Galuzzo, who is the writer and director of the Psycho Legacy yeah. documentary, and Psycho editor Amy Huddleston. So, the editor of the film is got yeah, as a commentary here. Uh, audio commentary with Gus Van Sant and Ann and, and uh, Vince Vaughn. I'm sure that's a carryover. And uh, then there's Psychopath, The Making of Psycho, and then Theatrical Trailers and Still Gallery. So uh, there you go. Okay. In
0: terms of well, extras. Well, I mean, as soon as you said Still Galleries, I, I was in it. So, you know, I'll be
2: seeing The <laughs> <up. laughs> <laughs> I mean, Rob Robin Lewis is a good guy. He's a friend of the show. So, I mean, that's, that, you know, I, I give, I give yeah. the. If you're going to pick it up, pick it up for that, because that will be definitely very informative. So.
5: Yeah, and that's yeah, a great
0: documentary, could, The so Psycho he Legacy. He doesn't like it. I mean, he doesn't like it. So I'm, I'm wondering what the commentary will be like.
5: I'd love to hear it, actually. Yeah, to tell mean, you the truth. Yeah, that's. But I love his documentary, The Psycho Legacy. I thought that was uh, really informative. I, I have that, and uh, it's it's. Uh, I'd recommend it for sure. Um, so, Serial Mom, the John Waters film with. Uh, uh, Kathleen Turner, uh, Ricky Lake, uh, Sam Waterston from 1994. It's, uh, Shout Factory has opted for a special edition on this one as well. And um, so I've still never seen it, by the way. Okay, well, I've, it
2: was shot. Um, the, the, there's it was shot around here. I mean, obviously, because Baltimore, but the um, the club scene was shot at Hammerjacks in Baltimore back in the day. Um, I remember a lot of people. A lot of friends were to go be extras. I mean, actually, there are a couple of people I'm really good friends with who you can definitely see in that scene. But that's not – I just went – I remember I was, like, at a, a friend's art show and his girlfriend was explaining to me, like, the symbolism of the movie. I mean, I was just like, are you really – you really want to have this conversation? It's fucking <laughs> yeah. Serial Mom, alright? I mean, <laughs> really? You're going to explain the simile? You really think you're being original here? I mean, I, I just see, you know, I was thinking about this the other day because I just like, oh, how some people are so fucking pretentious. And I was just like, <laughs> really? We need to have this fucking conversation? I just want to go get a beer, baby. I don't want to. Yeah, beer. but yeah, dude, Serial Mom?
0: Serial C- Mom uh, has a Barry Manilow song on the soundtrack. I mean, that's, well, that's the go. winner right there. Daybreak
2: Day, has
3: yes, Daybreak yes. <laughs> yep. Come on, officially <laughs> uh, Barry Manilow's most irritating song, and that's really saying something. I find that song to be absolutely <laughs> uh, I'm straight
0: to hell. <laughs> I like it.
3: <laughs> absolutely, I like it. just the most the most horribly sunny, terrible song ever. But, well,
4: I don't uh, give a shit what I'm any of you do say. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: can't, smile <laughs> without,
0: can't Smile Without You is infinitely funnier and you
3: know, well, put that's on a, your top well, hat. That's and that's dance. A, that's a, it's a better tune. I mean, you know, it's, I, it's, I don't know. It's, uh, I, daybreak is just,
2: uh, ugh. <laughs> do not. Do hey, not I, okay. hey, L7 Stop, is in the
3: <laughs> movie. I don't
2: give a
4: shit. L7 <laughs> is in
2: the movie. What more do you need? Um. All right, can we go? Uh, Adam, move along, please. <laughs> See, <laughs> well, I was... Fucking really, move along. You're
5: just, come on. <laughs> come on, well, you
2: slowing me- the train down, baby.
5: Come on. <laughs> I was going to say, among the extras on Serial Mom, there are no uh, Barry Manilow commentaries to be found, <clears throat> but but there is a conversation with uh, John Waters, Kathleen Turner, and Mink Stoll uh, that's brand new where they all three sit on a couch and discuss making the film, so that could be fun. Yeah, so, uh, I'd like. I, you know, I still haven't seen that. I haven't seen Pecker,
3: and I haven't seen this last movie, the di- uh, Dirty Shame, I guess. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Pecker is actually I'd, really
2: good. Pecker is yes. actually a really good film. Yeah.
0: Um, by the way, I have. It's I ironic have to me. People, it's yeah. ironic to me how Kathleen Turner is looking more and more like Divine every day.
4: <laughs> oh, dude,
3: that is just <laughs> man,
4: harsh, man. That's
3: harsh. <laughs> yeah, oh, goodness, I'll never goodness, forget goodness. seeing uh, Virgin Suicides, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's what Kathleen Turner looks like now." It's, it's rough. <laughs> aging, aging is not is is
5: not fun. <laughs> no. Well, speaking of Kathleen Turner, on the same day that Serial Mom was released, we also got another Kathleen Turner film, and I think this is one we can all agree on. It's really one of the great films of the 80s, The Accidental Tourist. Yes, oh, yes, good. Was, yeah. Good. Yeah. So that was... Um, when, when, same that was same same favorite favorite Warner, movie. Ar-
0: Warner Archives?
5: Yes. Yes, Warner Archives. Uh, it has m- all the carryover extras from the... Uh, the the uh the night uh, the one that was released on DVD uh with the 30 minutes of extra scenes um and there's an introduction by Lawrence Kast in here scene specific commentaries by Gina Davis and a featurette and uh there's uh, a lot of the scenes that were uh reinstated here deleted stuff uh this is stuff I think could have easily been incorporated into the film it's not you know it's it's good stuff yeah so um anyway uh so we have the definitive edition, director's edition of Heat, which I know, Jamie, you have watched. I, I have my copy. I have not had time to look at it, but maybe you can tell us about uh, your thoughts on it.
0: We, we, we talked a lot about it the other week.
5: Yeah. Uh, oh, that's true. You dealt did. In, I we remember. We delved
0: into Heat. Yeah. I, you know, and the weird yeah. thing is I have not yet watched the movie. Uh, I watched <laughs> all of the extras, like all of the Q&As and stuff I watched. But I, yeah. I haven't returned to the movie yet. But it's a, something I watch once a year. I always mm-hmm. do, and it's usually it's usually around the holidays that I watch it. So I, I will be ah, checking I, out
3: it out. It is a sweet little holiday movie.
5: True. It was yeah. released yeah. December 15th. I, 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 I usually
3: watch it around that time. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I I love that movie. No question about it.
5: It is great. I can't wait to watch the. Uh, the, the the new uh the new scan of it I'm sure it looks great but uh what about uh Jean Dielman, twenty three Quad du Commerce, ten eighty Bruxelles. That's the uh
4: mm-hmm.
5: the the film film from Chantel Ackerman that's uh, three hours and twenty minutes of a woman doing her uh daily chores. It follows her around washing clothes and and uh cooking dinner for her son and things of this nature for for three plus hours. <laughs> and then it has a gotcha, gotcha ending. It, uh, yes,
3: yeah, it's uh, something just, to see.
5: Uh, yeah,
3: it's it's good. It's good. It's it's surprisingly surprisingly uh, 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 riveting in a way. So
5: yeah, it is, and it uh, it, it does deliver the gut punch uh, if you're willing to stick with it. Uh, you can watch it in increments, would be my advice. Maybe um, Criterion issued this one, and it's got lots of. Uh, it's got. Interestingly enough, it has not only an uh, interview with Chantal Ackerman, the uh, director of the film who committed suicide last year, by the way, and her mother is also interviewed here in a separate piece. So huh. you
4: get—you
5: <laughs> don't often get a director's mother interview on a uh, as a supplement, but you do here. So of course, Ackerman's last movie no. was a documentary about her mother,
3: so that was true. You know, done yeah. right for her, her one, mother. Now, this this one's not.
0: This one's not based on her
3: mother, is it? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm, I'm sure yes. there's, I'm sure. I remember, if,
0: I remember those times when I was turning tricks during the day. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, this movie, uh, this is a great, this is a great criterion this to own, actually. And, and this movie is important, even though it's rarely brought up, uh, uh, partly because the title is so, and confusing, but um, yeah, it is. It is on. It is on the the list of the Sight and Sound greatest movies ever
5: made. I mm-hmm. believe it
0: is represented on there.
5: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to. Uh, I had to watch it in small, like I said, increments. But uh, it's it's worth the journey if you can, uh, you know. Because uh, if you get a little restless, just just stop it and start it again, and you can pick right up. It's easy too, But. Uh, uh, one other one I wanted to mention is a documentary I have not seen, but it looks really great. It's called VHS Massacre: Cult Films and the Decline of Physical Media, and huh. it's getting a lot of positive notices. Trauma put this out, and I, I'm I think it's something we all maybe could could uh, seek out because it sounds like a subject we that's near and dear to our hearts. So uh, and like I I've said, seen a
3: couple of good documentaries about the the V the VHS. Uh, the life of VHS and and lots of uh, and the uh, people who still collect tapes. Uh, I saw one called VHS Massacre. I think is what it's called. That's that's uh, this one. Yeah. Oh oh it one. is. Yeah. Oh, okay yeah. okay so yeah yeah it's it's good it's good. I mean I'm I still heard a big I'm still a big fan of VHS. I was just going through all my VHS tapes the other day and and discovering the titles you know i got i purged a, a huge amount of my collection you know uh when i moved into the house i'm in and uh we just had to get rid of a whole bunch of stuff so everything that's left behind is you know extremely rare rare stuff like uh the ballad of gregorio cortez and uh, uh marvin and Tige and best boy and things like that you know uh just very 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 obscure movies, uh, mm-hmm. wow. but uh, but I do love I do love my uh, my VHSs still.
5: Yeah, I've still got a few too. I have to admit, but uh, so another Warner Archive release would be the loved one. Tony Richardson's follow up to uh, Tom Jones, who's the next film he made uh, two years after that, and what a cast this film has, uh, and it's a satire of both Hollywood and the funeral business all in one. And it has uh, Robert Morse, Jonathan Winters, Anjanette Comer, Dana Andrews, Milton Berle, James Coburn, John Gilgood, Tab Hunter, Margaret Leighton, Liberace is a funeral director in the film, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Roddy McDowell, Robert Morley, uh, and the 25-year-old Paul Williams, the songwriter, plays a 13-year-old uh, kid in the film. Which is I, I, I didn't realize he was all. 25 at the time. Yes, he was. Uh, so, you know, he's got that, that, you know, he's just, he's a small guy and he could pull it off, uh, but, What's the, name um, it? the young one, the young, uh, the loved one. Yeah. And it, it is, uh, and Rod Steiger also is Mr. Joy Boy, the, uh, the mortician.
3: That's, that's the most amazing part of the whole movie. If you yes, I agree. It's a great, it's a great movie, but, uh, Terry Southern screenplay and, yes, uh, yes, but also, I should say photographed by ha- Hask- in black and Haskell white Wexler. by Haskell Wexler. Right who also and pro-
5: as the producer of exactly. the movie. I was gonna <laughs> which, say the same thing.
3: Which uh which is uh you know, it's something that I learned about, you know, only after interviewing uh Wexler. But uh boy, what what a crazy movie that is. It, it it's sure really, is it is really nuts.
5: The uh the standout scene in the film for me always has been and will be the uh when we get to catch a glimpse of Mr. Joyboy, the Rod Steiger character's mother, who is a morbidly obese woman who uh, resides in her bedroom and, and has nothing to look forward to except for her son's uh, meals that he brings to her, and he brings at one point he brings her an entire cooked pig uh, with, with an apple in its mouth for her to devour and uh it's just there and there's a hysterical scene where she's uh rummaging in the refrigerator uh looking for the uh the the uh full fully cooked she's looking for a whole turkey that was in the refrigerator and she flips the refrigerator over on top of herself and she's screaming for the cranberry sauce and that's you have to you have to see this to believe it <laughs> it's true it's it's, it's something it's to so- see yes it's it's a wonder yeah it's it's one of those, but anyway, I would recommend our uh, uh fans of, of, of kooky comedies uh to seek it out for sure but uh anyway, so a couple of the things that we had uh, actually i think we're finished with that day uh may ninth i think we've uh, so we'll move right along to may sixteenth and uh the original willard from nineteen seventy one now Okay, so sometimes I get
3: confused. They, didn't they release this last month? It feels like they, they release these horror
5: movies like every six months. Yeah, I <laughs> but, mean... Um, Willard has never been issued on either. It's only been available on VHS tape. Never on Laserdisc, DVD, or Blu-ray until now. You mean when they okay. had the
2: remake, they didn't reissue that
5: on DVD? No, never did. That's, I never find did. that crazy. So odd. I mean... I think there was a rights issue. Uh, This was produced by Bean Crosby, if you can imagine that. Uh, But he used to have this production company in the early 70s, late 60s, called BCP Productions, Bean Crosby Productions. and uh, His company uh, produced Willard and the sequel, Ben, and also Walking Tall, the one with Joe Don Baker. Uh, so he was kind of, you know, he kind of had his hands in, in the, the um, drive-in movie business, I guess you would say.
2: I'm, I wonder what Martin Sheen thinks of these movies since his most iconic character is named after the Ben and Willard. I mean, <laughs> Captain Ben and Willard is named after, no joke, you know, I'm sure you all know, is named after deliberately named because he's a rat, they think.
3: Because he's a rat oh True. wow,
2: that's that's nuts. That <laughs> I good. never knew that. But that's I uh... was stunned when I found that out, like when they had the podcast mm-hmm. about Redux and there's all yeah. these, you know, all these interviews and everything and I was just like, Wow, I never I never even mm-hmm. thought to look at it like that. Mm-hmm. But it makes sense, I mean, but Yeah. yeah. But I think it was a right And, uh, and that.
0: interestingly, the the original, Marlon Brando's character in Apocalypse, he was originally named a Velveeta. So <laughs> I, I thought that was like take, taking it a bit far.
2: Yeah, he <laughs> might have been eating
0: all the Velveeta, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this, he's uh, messed So he he did eat all the Velveeta. You're right, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> <the method> I, <laughs> yeah,
5: but this uh. And, but no, this uh this is Willard has been uh, it's it's a brand new scan of the film and um I, I rewatched it I'd seen it when I was a kid many times and I, it holds up fairly well um but unfortunately the sequel which I'd never seen uh that came out the same day and it it doesn't hold up very well uh <laughs> it's nah, the it's one kind with of that a, beautiful
0: a beautiful Michael Jackson song though right right yeah <laughs> first
5: number one that was his first number one record and um. This is directed by Phil Carlson, uh who did Walking Tall and Mitchell and, and and Phoenix uh City Story in the 50s and many others but uh this was toward the end of his career and uh it's interesting because apparently this uh, there's a note at the beginning of the um the before the film uh before you it plays on the uh when you when you're watching it it says that uh, they have lost the original negative to this film so uh any technical qual- you know problems that you might have might be because they've i guess they've had to i don't know how they scanned it, I really don't, but they can't find the original negative, so I find that odd that a film that's only forty years old or forty some years old that the negative is already missing
3: uh, yeah, that but, is
5: weird but uh Bing so Crosby probably a- burned it <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah maybe maybe
5: maybe like, yeah like, but anyway. that roasting got an open fire. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, we'll move along to the Twilight Time releases. Uh, one of which is Year of the Comet, which one of my colleagues refers to it as Year of the Vomit. I've never seen it, so I can't uh, I can't comment. But uh, I have not heard good things about this film.
3: <laughs> now the Comet uh, Year of the Comet is that that thing
5: with Penelope Ann Miller and That's the one. Oh, Pe- Peter Yates yeah. and written by William Goldman. Um, this was supposed to have been issued by Twilight Time several months ago, and they were holding it up for a good reason. There is a rejected score by John Barry to this film, and uh, Nick Redman and the guys over there at Twilight Time were trying to get the rights secured so that they could put this on as a, a bonus, and they were not able, it was a money thing, of course, the Barry estate wouldn't let go of it, and, uh... And um, they just... Oh, no, I think it was Fox actually that wouldn't let go of it. It wasn't the Barry estate; it was the 20th Century Fox wouldn't. They, anyway, it was a money thing; they couldn't afford it, and uh, so they just put it out uh, with the isolated original music track in the trailer. But uh, I've never seen it. But uh, like I said, it's it's um, the word has not been good on it. But
3: it's kind of... A, uh, I've never seen it either. It's like a heist movie or something, right? Mm-hmm. Right, because i I keep getting it mixed up with that uh with one of those sci fi movies from the mid eighties what what was that <laughs> it, it feels like night it sounds like you think night, night, of, night of, the of the Comet. comet. night <laughs> right, of the yeah. comet right I always get it mixed up with that so <laughs> it's like uh, but uh yeah anyway all right so uh, it's so
0: you know yeah. what they should they should john Barry is dead uh, uh, uh breaking news everyone uh, and <laughs> It would it would be great to to hear some some new old John Barry work that hasn't right. been publicly Agreed. available. Give Agreed. it to the fan to his legacy. I mean, release
5: it. I mean, come yeah. on!
0: Don't be greedy with that shit.
5: I know it's it's real sad because you know Nick worked in the uh, Nick Redman worked over at the uh, the in the when Fox was issuing a lot of their classic film scores and he did the Varese uh, Sarabon stuff. So he's. You know, he's he's been instrumental in getting a lot of these classic or unreleased soundtracks put out there. He's the guy who's done a lot of that, and so he's very, you know, he thinks that stuff's important, and I, I just appreciate them at least trying, even though they couldn't make it happen. So, um anyway but uh but another twilight time release that is a great film uh, I think anyway is Robert Mulligan's final film The Man in the Moon with uh, the first appearance of Reese Witherspoon and uh, of course, uh right, right. Sam, Sam Waterston, Tess Harper and Gail Strickland, Jason London and I just I rewatched this and it really it really gets to you I think. Um
3: yeah, it's great. I mean, you know, uh I just recently did a um a uh, article for Zeke Film about my mm-hmm. tw- 20 of my favorite summer movies, you know, movies that take yeah. place during the summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, w- I included this one as one of them. Uh, and was thinking about it, and it's like, uh, Robert Mulligan is a really good summertime filmmaker because you think he made sure Summer of 42. He made, Water, uh, uh The Other, and uh, um, To Kill a Mockingbird. Those are all summertime yeah. movies. That's uh, right. So but uh yeah, uh Man in the Moon is is extremely moving and uh It is. you absolutely can see the stardom on Reese Witherspoon in mm-hmm. Reese Witherspoon's performance. I mean, she's she's really magnificent in it uh even though it's her basically her first movie. Uh, certainly her first big role. And yeah. uh uh you know all those things that we love about you know Reese Witherspoon and things like uh, Election and uh, even you know like Cruel Intentions or whatever. Uh, it, mm-hmm. It's they're all right there. You know, mm-hmm, yeah, uh, they're all right there in her performance. But uh, yeah, it's it's a really really sweet movie and uh, and very very moving uh, and not even even with that it's not overly sentimental it feel it uh it feels uh it feels real um yeah uh but it it's it's extremely sort of nostalgic it takes place in the 50s and uh it it's it's really good you got to watch it if you've never seen it
5: yeah and let's uh mention that freddie francis shot this film the same year same calendar year that he shot cape fear for scorsese and uh you know, he, those were two great late career uh, efforts on his resume, I think, that really both shine in the same calendar year. For me, anyway, I, I think mm-hmm. it's good stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Another Twilight Ta- Time uh, release that we'll uh, mention is Who'll Stop the Rain? Uh, Carl Rice is uh, 1978, film yeah. with Nick Nolte. Yeah, know? one of the best.
2: And I mean, definitely Nick. I think one of Nick Nolte's best roles, and it's just great, um, based on an awesome book. And this is definitely—it's probably the best film you're going to bring up, I I, I think, at least.
5: Yeah, it's worth getting. uh, I think if you're a fan of it, because there is uh, the isolated music track, of course, as a bonus, and then you have a uh, a conversation with uh, the editor, John Bloom, about the film. So uh, there's a there's a piece with him. Uh, so you know, if you're a fan, uh, I'd say it's you know, one to pick up. By the uh, way, um, the,
0: the, the follow-up that Nick Nolte did with uh, with Carol Rice, um, Everybody Wins, I also like a lot. Well, yeah, nobody talks mm-hmm. about that movie, but that's a very uh, really unusual movie. Is that a? Uh, it's like a sports movie, isn't it? No, is no, it's, it's that's everybody's uh, All American. Uh, okay, Everybody sorry. Wins is Nick Nolte and Deborah Winger. Uh, yeah. And it's it's an odd one It's an odd movie
2: huh. Arthur, Didn't Arthur Miller write that or
3: Yes yep. Yeah that, Wow I, I, that's one that's that's Escaped me I still haven't seen that one But Who'll yeah. Stop the Rain Is fantastic not only for uh, For uh, For Nick Nolte But uh, Tuesday Weld Is his drug addicted mm. wife uh, yeah. Is fantastic in it uh, Um Michael Moriarty as the sort of the the guy who starts all of this trouble in this movie. Yeah. Uh, And it's got two great villains in, uh, or maybe even three. uh, Is it Anthony Zerby's in it? Yeah. yeah.
2: uh, This is, like, one of the great American, like, post-Vietnam novels, Robert Stone's Dog Soldiers. I mean, this is, like, really, I mean, you know, we don't, this is a movie that's definitely gotten lost. Um, True. And everyone is—I mean, with the exception of some of the actors and obviously the editor, maybe everyone's dead associated with this movie. But when we talk about great movies um, from this time period, this movie gets lost, and it's quintessential on um, the book. I mean, Robert Stone would go on to write a lot of great novels. I mean, remember, there's also um, WUSA is um, based on his book Hall of Mirrors, and. I know there's probably other stuff that they're trying to get made. I mean, he writes I mean Robert Stone's um I, I want to say I forget the Children of the Light is probably one of the best novels ever written about movies, um, outside of um Steve Erickson's Zeroville and uh Walker Pierce he's the moviegoer, um, and Gore Vidal's Hollywood. I mean, you know, Robert Stone is one of these great American novelists that we just don't talk about that much, but this is this movie is just incredible. Um this is just this movie has everything going for it. And it really does. You know, it has great and... drama,
3: it has exciting action, it has a terrific, you know, clim- climactic, you know, clash. Uh, yeah, I mean the, uh I have to mention the two guys playing uh, playing the henchmen, uh yeah. Richard Mazer and uh the late uh, Ray Sharkey. Uh yeah. Mm-hmm. uh they they're fantastic. I mean, it's really it's really a movie. If if you're a movie lover, it's really got everything. It it really is. It's, uh, that, and it's my it's my favorite uh, Cretan song.
2: Yeah. <laughs> There's I mean, a
3: lot of creep lots of creep in it.
2: <laughs> movie that you could have a double bill of this and Sorcerer on these great lost movies of the 70s. Yes. Um, I mean, you could really do that. I mean, you could add some others on to it, too, I'm sure. But those two especially, I mean, these are the movies that, you know, we should be talking about more. I mean, yeah. it will stop the rain. I mean, I'll definitely try to pick this up. I picked up Beats. I'm sure I'll pick this up on at some point. Um, but, you know, it's, it's one of the best. Um, I, I can't recommend it enough.
3: I'm looking at my VHS copy of it right now, released on Key Video.
4: <laughs> there you go, I might,
2: I might have that in the basement somewhere. Dean, don't laugh. I may have the exact same thing in the basement because I never throw anything out.
5: Um, yeah. I told you there was some good stuff in the month of May. Now see, well, you I just knew had that, to be My thought started off
2: with, I mean, you started off like in like just the garbage can I and mean, like the garbage see, dump. I mean.
5: There's an art to this, you know. You you work your way out from, realize the, from the I right. <laughs> uh another twilight time uh, is uh, Charles Bronson's The Stone Killer from 1973 with uh, Norman oh. Fell and Martin Baldwin. Oh,
4: wow. <laughs> wow. That's a long time.
5: Yeah. Yeah, that's another one. Uh as is uh I th- the I was Roy- thinking
0: about Norman Fell last week. I swear to God the the name Norman Fell crossed my mind, and I actually said out loud to myself, "Why the fuck am I thinking of Norman Fell?" Uh, it was the <laughs> oddest thing. <He's,
3: laughs> that is weird, uh, but it's uh, uh, it, he's he had an unusual career for sure. Uh, he did. I mean, to think that he's in he's in the Graduate, he's in he's in I think he's in Pork Chop Hill, the uh, uh, right. the Korean yep. War movie, and. Uh, uh, one of his first things, and uh, and Bullet, of course, is in that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah. There
2: is that. You're a good, good call there. Good call.
5: There, so. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Airport 75. Don't forget that. <laughs> oh yes. How can you? How can you forget that in the Airport
2: movies? I mean,
5: very easily. Yeah. Yeah it's uh he and Jen, uh he and uh, Jerry Stiller and uh Conrad Janis are all three friends and they're sitting together getting quietly drunk while the plane is going down. <laughs> <laughs> what,
3: a, what a great group of guys there. <laughs> I know. Yeah,
5: <laughs> yeah that, uh, that always we... pleases me every time that it turns up and I see those three guys. I can't help but <laughs>
4: yeah.
5: Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah. So uh the nineteen fifty three three D film Inferno, directed by Roy Ward Baker and starring uh, Robert Ryan and Rhonda Fleming, um that uh has been issued also by Twilight Time in three D.
3: So uh
5: Wow, I've never heard
3: of this one. Yeah, Roy Ward, so Ward the, Baker. So he's he's a British director. Did a lot of Hammer movies, right? He did. So. He
5: did. Yeah. This was a 20th Century Fox effort uh, from, like I said, '53 during the 3D craze, and uh, and then the last Twilight Time title of the month was the 1965 uh, Japanese film, which I'm I'm wasn't familiar with. This one, Brutal Tales of Chivalry, actually that was one mm. that I had escaped me. Uh, so. That, who directed uh, that?
2: Who directed that book through the tales of so, chivalry?
5: That's, um... Uh... Kikuchi? Uh... Shunsuki Kikuchi? I think uh, I'm probably mangling okay. that name. Right. I'm sure. Uh, I think you've oh, yeah. 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 turned into
0: Charo. that is,
4: guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I know, that's
2: why I asked. Because, I,
5: you know, yeah. never mind. I'm gonna go home now. All right. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yes, as you wrote Ozu's uh, 1959 film, Good Morning, uh, the one with the fart oh. jokes. Uh, that one's been issued by Criterion. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to know whole that
3: Ozu wasn't, it wasn't above a good fart joke every once in a it's while. It's
5: true. It's true. <laughs> There's plenty of them in there. So, uh, yeah, that's the Criterion release. Uh, and we'll uh, talk about this one Um I'm, this may bring back some nostalgia. I'm not sure. Maybe not. But uh, how about tough guys with Burt Lancaster and Kirk Douglas? <laughs> that's, a, hey, that's a that's a sad nostalgia. It's,
3: it's
2: sad, a sad, sad nostalgia, 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 but I'll take it. I'll take it. I mean, it's still a little bit. It's a little bit above Saturn Three, not by much though. But um, it,
0: yeah.
4: It. You
0: know I'll who? You know that. who was a winner? You know who was a winner from that movie? I'll tell you. The the fabulous Thunderbirds.
5: I Wasn't was gonna say, yeah. Yeah.
3: That's yeah, right. They're
5: Good call, Jeff. Oh, yeah.
3: they did tough Enough for it, right? Okay. That's right, yeah. yeah. And this was
5: the uh directed by Jeff Canoe, you know, this was the uh, follow his follow up to Revenge of the Nerds. So uh he opted to do this instead of Revenge of the Nerds too. So good. It was, I thought, you know, can I be very honest? That's a good.
2: That was a good call on his part.
5: Um. <laughs> yeah. Early uh,
2: Dana
3: Carvey role too. That's true. Yeah, he plays the parole <laughs>
5: officer. Yeah. So. Uh, so anyway, um, uh, and I think that wraps up uh, May 16th, and we're to the 23rd. We're about to wrap this thing up. Um, a couple of here uh Deepon as a uh criterion release that's a more I recent that, film from... i think that's a good i was
2: really stunned that that that's a, i don't know why but that's a good movie and from a good director and, and it's, i saw that a couple of years ago in the theater and it's such a it's such a fascinating film you have these people transplanted from the Sri lankan civil war into the french shot um just this drug ridden neighborhood in France and outside of, I guess if I want to see the Paris suburbs, um, and it's a fascinating movie, um, and beautifully shot. I mean, this guy is just a fantastic director. I think it's by the same guy who did a Prophet* and the beat that skipped my heart. If I'm not yes, mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a fascinating movie. I, I can't stress mm-hmm. it enough. i I guess he did, he did the one rust and bone was, what is the movie he did? Um, yeah, that, yeah, I think you're right. Marine yeah. cultural right? Uh, yeah. yeah, with a killer Ruffling whale
3: Ruffling.
2: movie. Yes, I call but, it a killer uh, whale movie. Yeah. That's great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the son of Orca. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I, I find this is, a, this is a really great choice because this is a little seen film. It's one of these films. Speaking, you know, we have the cons going on today, but the film that wins an award that you know finally, when it does come out, it comes and goes. And so I think this is great that Criterion is releasing
5: it. It is, yeah. I want to catch up with that soon. Um, So the 1982 film High Point, uh, starring Richard Harris, Christopher Plummer, Beverly D'Angelo, and directed by Peter Carter, that's been issued by Code Red. And um, I remember hearing of that title, but I have to admit I've never seen it. Me neither. Uh, Game of Uh, Death... I was gonna say Game of Death and uh, Return of the Dragon, Shout Factory's issued both of those Bruce Lee titles. Um and Universal, I guess to you know, trying to promote the uh the upcoming Mummy film have released the Mummy, the Complete Legacy Collection, which is uh the uh the original uh mummy uh films, not wow. the ones with Brendan Fraser. So uh, <laughs> just By the to be way, clear I don't, on I that. Gotta
0: announce, I gotta announce this because I, I... I knew that these were going to be announced today, but real quick, I'll just say this. Um, Cannes Film Festival, their Palme d'Or uh, went to the Square, which is the, mm-hmm. the Swedish film. It's a follow-up to uh, Force Majeure, which we loved from a, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Ruben Östlund, um, <clears throat> Sofia Coppola became the second woman to ever win for Best Director in Cannes history for the Beguide. Wow. <laughs> And uh, Joaquin Phoenix and Diane Kruger won the best acting honors. I, Joaquin I Phoenix, that's... I knew, I I know is in the new Lin Ramsey movie, which stunned yeah. people. Uh, the Lin Ramsey movie got a really stunning uh, reaction.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, so, I'm hearing good things about that.
2: Yeah, I mean, let's hope that these all get a wide release here. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm mm-hmm. really hoping. I mean, I was really excited that Sofia Coppola won. I know people meet. Uh, you know for for the people that know that's a remake but it's a different it's a different take on the material so I hope people will be open minded about that um yeah because I gotta be honest with you the majority of the people who go see this movie in the theater day or go to the movies have no idea it's a remake so I mean I I hate to bring that up but um you know so I hope I it just looks fascinating that's just as well yeah (laughs) no it looks fascinating though I can't wait (laughs) to see it um I, I was
3: just I was disappointed that they show the entire movie in the trailer. Of course, you know that. Yeah, that well, yeah. I mean, we know that. That that, I mean. that is one of the worst trailers to watch. I mean, if you have that, oh man, they're, they're, they just give away I, every seen, fucking thing. I was
2: stunned. I was stunned that you would go ahead and show all that. Why would they I mean, do that?
3: Why? Why would you do that? That that is is it's a crime. Uh, but uh, it's, it makes me sick. Anyway, uh, just to go, uh, I wanted to mention that the jury prize went to Loveless, the new movie by... Uh, uh, oh, God, I can't say his name. Andres uh, Zavajin I can't say his name, but it's uh, the Russian filmmaker who did Leviathan a couple of years ago, which mm-hmm. was a fantastic, fantastic movie. And... Uh, and Best Screenplay went to Yorgos Lanthimos for The Killing of a Sacred Deer. With yeah. A, a, I mean. And also went to Lynn Ramsey for You're Never Really Here. So You Were Never mm, Really yeah. Here uh, wins two. Mm. But uh, uh, Killing of
0: a Sacred Deer. Actually, got, you know, uh, the, the Lynn the Ramsey movie is like right at the top of my must-sees now. Uh, oh, yeah. Because, yeah. Uh, especially – yeah. I mean, I adored uh, Kevin. I mean, you talk about Kevin. But, I did, too. Uh, and if this, if this is another great, juicy role for Joaquin Phoenix, which it sounds like, it, I mean, he's a, like a hit man who tries to save a child prostitute. I mean, that sounds like something I want to see. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, interesting. Okay, okay. Adam, I'm sorry.
5: Oh that's okay. No, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. I just saw that uh, right before I called in. So, uh yeah, good good stuff. Uh, a 1992 Bill Paxton film called The Vagrant, which uh has Michael Ironside in it. Uh nah, I've never, never seen this it, one. But <laughs> uh, it's directed by Well, it's directed by Chris Wallace, who did the uh, makeup effects for Raiders of the Lost Ark and the uh the Cronenberg version of The Fly. Uh-huh. and uh it's uh the 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 tag, the uh, plot basically is a, you got a young executive played by Bill Paxton who's plotted out every move of his life and then he uh has a creepy vagrant living opposite him in his new home and uh so it's uh, it looks interesting but uh it was it's uh, at this point 25 years Are old they, and i don't know if it's because Bill Paxton died that they decided to issue it but screen I'm factory sure it has is, put but uh, have have yeah. have they issued um...
3: Traveler?
5: <laughs> oh, yeah,
3: I like that movie. <laughs> Traveler.
5: Yeah, That's I have another a, uh,
3: obscure Bill Paxton.
5: Yeah, true. Yeah. So, uh, it's a good one. Well, what about uh, yeah, Vision Quest? Oh, go ahead. What were you saying? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. Let's, uh, let's go ahead with Vision Quest. Okay. I was going to say Vision <laughs> Quest. Matthew Modine, Please. Uh, Warner Archive, uh, Linda Fiorentino, Um. Daphne Zaniga, Force Whitaker, Ronnie Cox, Harold Becker directed. Uh, Madonna mm-hmm. appears. <laughs> this
3: is another movie I always get mixed
5: up with. You know, uh, is
3: Vision Quest uh, uh, the thing about the bicycle messengers? It, no, no, that's, no, that's, no he's a quick boxer. Silver. Quicksilver, Quicksilver, right,
2: right. He's a boxer in this, the wrestler, right? he's a wrestler. wrestler. Yeah,
3: that's it. Okay. Yeah, it I has get a it song uh, with
2: young
0: young blood, which is the hockey. Yeah. Uh, y- yeah,
5: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: They all got mixed together back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
5: Vision Quest is the one with uh, crazy for for you that number one record by yes. Madonna.
0: That's right. Where it comes
5: from, Ugh. so yeah. But, Terrible um, song.
0: That's 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 Madonna's Daybreak for me. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, definitely.
5: I have I have some fond sentimental memories from when I was a teenager that surround that song, so yeah, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I can't give an honest I'm, opinion I'm, on I'm
0: it. Sh- I'm sure y- I'm sure you remember masturbating to that song as a teenager. <laughs> yeah, <I get> it. <laughs> <laughs> is
3: Madonna in this movie? She's in it, right? She is. She, she is. Yes, yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's yeah. that's kind of be yeah. Madonna's most obscure movie. <laughs>
5: okay. So, uh... Uh so what about the Mighty Ducks and the Mighty Ducks uh D two and the Mighty Ducks D three? Well, if you uh, wanted to the three, three Mighty here? Ducks films. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there you go. Next, well we're okay, we'll come up to uh this coming Tuesday the thirtieth and this will wrap it up. Uh we have a thirtieth anniversary edition of Pele the Conqueror.
3: That's a very good movie now. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. And, and Max C Sydow won Best Actor at Cannes for that, mm-hmm. I think. So, and got nominated for one of his only two Oscar nominations.
5: So, yeah.
3: Uh, yeah. So uh,
5: we have uh, Billy Wilder's One, Two, Three being issued by Kino, which I love that film. Uh, one oh my god! Cagney's.
3: Yeah, <laughs> it is so funny. So what just gave me the DVD of it. I've never uh, and I haven't watched it since uh I think I saw it in New York back in the 90s on the big screen at at uh the Museum of the Moving Image or something.
4: Mm-hmm. But
3: uh it's the first time I'd seen it since then and man that movie is was funnier than I even re- I remembered it. Uh yeah. Arlene Francis is hilarious as his uh as uh, Cagney's uh wife and mm-hmm. uh, Horse Buckholz is oh, yeah. funny in it and uh, uh Pamela Tiffin's beautiful as always and uh, just a, a superb probably probably Billy Wilder's last really great movie you know. Yeah. Uh and certainly uh certainly it was it was almost Cagney's last movie until he, he, I guess he got he got lured back into movies in the late in the early eighties with uh, mm-hmm. uh ragtime, ragtime and Ragtime, and, yeah. And, and then the uh and then he did the T V movie called Terrible Joe Moran that's uh yep. uh that was a lead role for him. That was his real uh you know, re debut or whatever, return. But um, this was this was the last movie he did for about twenty years, it was. Uh, and and he's got so much energy in it; it's it's ridiculous. He's got he's got some scenes that I just are just absolutely athletic in their uh, verbal acuity. You know, they're kind of mm-hmm. uh, he's just he's just spouting off stuff, orders left and right, and, and stuff. It's just so. Uh, manic and uh, mm-hmm. uh, hilarious—a great, great movie.
5: I agree. Yeah, it's one By of By the way, favorites. there's
3: something—there's something in the archives
0: of Aaron's old show where he actually interviewed Jeff Daniels, um, and Jeff Daniels was actually backstage during the interview because he was doing that uh, that play, God of Carnage, with Gandolfini and Marcia Gay Harden and um, Laura Linney, I think was in it. It's the one that mm-hmm. Roman Polanski remade into a movie, um, but uh, so Jeff Daniels interviewed uh, with Aaron, and he talks a lot about working with James Cagney in that interview.
3: Oh, um, nice. because he worked with James Cagney on on Ragtime, or
4: because yeah. they're both in yeah.
3: Ragtime, but uh, they don't that's have any scenes yeah. together. Oh, okay. That's yeah. Interesting.
5: Nice. Okay. Very nice.
3: Okay. Yeah, that's 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 very cool.
5: Yeah. So. Uh, Criterion has issued a box set, but Mar- or the, it's coming out Tuesday rather. Martin Scorsese's World Cinema Project Number Two, uh, and this basically it's a collection of s- six films that he feels are important uh, enough to to be released in this box. And there's uh, you know the Philippines, uh, There's a film called Insiang. Thailand, Mysterious Object at Noon. Uh, Brazil, Limit. Uh, Turkey, Law of the Border, and Taiwan, uh, Taipei Story. So uh, you know, if that's being issued. It'll be, uh,
3: it'll be good to uh, be introduced to some uh, some new masterworks that we haven't.
5: Yeah. We're so not he, familiar he, with. And here's a masterwork you uh, may or may not be uh, familiar with: uh, Blackenstein from 1973. I have
3: to admit, I want to see it. I, I do want to see it. <laughs> I'm curious. I mean, I've, seen, I've always seen photos of of Blackenstein, and I'm like, I gotta see this movie. Yeah. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah,
0: it's uh, it's in my cart. The soundtrack. I mean, I'm I'm tempted to buy the soundtrack at least.
5: <laughs> <laughs> sure, it's probably pretty good,
3: actually. Yeah, I bet it is. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
0: As Very are most of those Leonardo. soundtracks. Yeah. yeah. Sheba Shiba yeah. Baby is a great soundtrack I want to
5: get. It's oh, a, yeah. It's, it's I love coffee, by the way. Coffee is one of my yeah. favorites. Roy, Roy Ayers, that's terrific. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, Ghost World is being issued by Criterion, uh, which I love.
3: Yes. One um, of my, my favorites.
5: Yeah, me too. Uh, And uh, just a few things left here, and we'll be done. The Sheik and Son of the Sheik, the original uh, Valentino films from uh, the silent era. (laughs) Zucchino is issuing those. And uh, the 1979 film Malibu High is being issued by Vinegar Syndrome, starring (laughs) Alex Mann and Katie Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> the
3: great <laughs> Katie Johnson and Alex Rand. Uh, yes, yes, yes. They yes. contributed so much greatness to. They sure anime. did. Yes.
5: <laughs> all of, uh, all of his issuing Shag, the nineteen eighty eight film with Phoebe Cates. That's and, actually uh, a good movie. It is it's like mm-hmm. a film.
3: It's it's like a smarter version of like of where the boys are, or something like that. True. Right. True. It, yeah. It, it's it's actually quite sweet. Mm-hmm. It's good
5: is. And uh the nineteen eighty film, uh, The Hearse, starring Joseph Cotton and Trish Van Der Uh <laughs> horror film, of course. But uh, right. yeah that's <laughs> uh and there's a uh collection of the um the Joseph Cotton, of, man. I just have to say this <laughs> yeah. Joseph I know, Joseph, I, know. Yeah. I
3: was thinking of the same thing, Joseph
0: Cotton <laughs> I mean is he is he like on the set of the hearse thinking I worked with Orson fucking Wells the greatest movie ever made. I was part of the Mercury Theater Company. I've been in the company of Hitchcock. It's like what the hell? I'm in the Hearst? Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. Oh God. True. It's so it's so true. And, you know, it's funny. That's a that's a thing that's kind of doesn't exist anymore. Like the the old uh, old guard actors going to do horror movies. You know, forced to do horror <laughs> right. movies. The, that doesn't happen anymore. But uh, who's left? A, I, mean, uh, I mean, yeah, I I know, but <laughs> it's true. I mean, what are we gonna cart out? You know, a hundred-year-old Olivia De Havilland to be in something, but uh,
4: yeah,
0: I mean, the, cl- the closest we can get is like, uh, you know, Lee Majors or something.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he would have done those kind of movies in his heyday. So, uh, but uh, yeah exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's just something that, but it's so true about Joseph Cotton. I mean, you know, you think about him being in Soylent Green or uh, uh, what the. Well, of course, you know, Heaven's Gate even. <laughs> yeah. In that. Yeah. So, I uh, yeah, but you got to wonder what they're thinking.
5: Yeah. in Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte also, I think. Yes. Yeah, yes, I think he's he's in you true. Yeah. Uh, well, the Alfred Hitchcock uh courtroom film, a courtroom thriller from uh, 1947, The Paradigm Case, with Gregory Peck Ooh. and uh, Charles Lawton. That's uh Kino is issuing that one and um
3: one of his more boring uh, films, I have to say. Yeah, it's not a not great what, movie.
5: No, it's one of the collaborations he did with David O. Selznick, but it's not particularly one of the uh, one of the better ones. And uh, the Kevin Spacey, uh, Danny DeVito uh, film, Big Kahuna from nineteen ninety nine. I remember yeah.
2: that. I remember that movie. Yeah, with Frank Whaley, right? That's an odd. Yep.
5: Uh, that's an odd movie. That's not yeah, like the one a Hollywood,
0: Hollywood film. film. No, that's Swimming with Sharks, but th- this uh, one is uh, – it ends – it's like these uh, traveling salesmen. They're at a convention, and it, I think it ends with a long conversation about the existence of God. I think it's like – it feels like it's based on some kind of off-Broadway stage play. It is. Uh, I think it is, uh, I mean, actually,
4: that's what the,
0: yeah. Is it? Yeah. I mean, that, the screenplay definitely plays like that.
4: Okay. Yeah.
5: And uh, we'll and we'll finish things uh, off with this one. The it's a collection of those uh de Pate uh, Friz Freeling cartoons, uh, Sheriff <laughs> Hoot Hoot Sheriff Hoot and the Blue Racer. Those are both uh, being issued by Kino. I think those were part ah, of the. I don't uh, even Pink remember Panther. those. I remember the. Yeah, a- 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 <laughs> I remember the, a- the Aardvark Bark a- and all that. Right, stuff, I, don't, <laughs> I don't remember. It those was part at all. of that. It was part of that. Yeah, it was. Uh, Okay. So uh, yeah, but they're being issued uh, because they've previously done the ant, and the ardburke, and all those. So and the inspector. So I guess they're
3: and, combing and the archives Pan- for the rest. Pink of Panther, it. too, of course. I yep,
5: guess. they've done all those. Yep, So yeah. there we go. So you know, some pretty good stuff, I'd say, in the month of May. I
2: yeah, think not you bad.
5: Oversold huh? it, Adam. I,
2: think you <laughs> I really, I, I mean, there are a couple of but I think you really oversold this one. <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's okay as long right. as uh, as as long as one two three and Blackenstein are out there. Yeah, I mean but you got that. I mean what else right. do you need? But I mean
2: to start off with Space Hunter and then the Hindenburg. I mean,
4: oh,
2: God, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, when you start off, <laughs> you
4: know, when you start saying, off with a
0: disaster like the Hindenburg, like a literal disaster. I mean, that's uh Where do you go from there? <laughs>